everybody, and welcome to this edition of The Contact Buzz, brought to you by High On Sports. The Contact Buzz is a weekly preview show of the biggest football games each weekend in college and pro. My name is Willie, one of the hosts of the High On Sports podcast, and I'm going to preview a few of the biggest games in college and pro football. Not only will I be briefly analyzing these games, but I'm going to also be giving you my predictions on who will win. So, thanks for listening, and let's get on to this weekend's game. This week's first college game I'm going to be talking about is the Tennessee Volunteers versus the South Carolina Gamecocks. This game is being played at 6.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time. It'll be on the SEC Network, and it's going to be played in Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina. Um... The line by this, the line on this game right now is eight and a half in favor of the Gamecocks, and the over/under is fifty-four and a half. Um, I don't see this game getting that high as far as score-wise goes. I see probably in the forties, low forties, mid forties, maybe high forties uh, by both teams. But uh, neither of these teams' offenses are clicking that well. Tennessee just came off of a. a uh, blowout loss against Alabama, but but you can't really judge Tennessee by that by that game. They did score twenty one points. Um, of course, a lot of those, a couple of those touchdowns were were against Alabama's second team. But Alabama's doing that to everybody, so you really need to judge Tennessee. Um, you know, on how again coming off the Auburn win, um, they have. You know, they're playing well. Jarrett Garantano did get beat up in that Alabama game. Um, the back, His backup, the transfer from Stanford, Keller Christ, came in, uh, put up a couple touchdowns himself, threw, threw for a couple touchdowns. So he did well. Um, I still don't think that makes a quarterback controversy in Knoxville. I think Garantano, if healthy, uh, which everybody, all the signs are pointing to him being healthy. He took all the reps in practice this week. So it looks like he's going to start and be their quarterback. Um, I know on Twitter there have been some people saying that they should start Chris instead. Um, I don't believe that. I think Garantano is your guy unless he's hurt. Um, But he's got to throw the ball. Um, The Vols got some really bad news this week in starting offensive tackle, left tackle, Trey Smith. Uh, who was the number one recruit coming out last year or two years ago, um, is out indefinitely um, with blood clots in his lungs. Um, he had that happen to him over the off offseason. Uh, they found out about him in February. Um, he did everything he could to get back on the field. He didn't participate in spring or summer practices or, or a lot of the fall camp. Um, but he did – start the season but now they have detected those again you know that's a tough that's a tough tough injury or I, really not injury just an issue a health issue so you know I hope that young man gets better he seems like he's a great young man he's got uh, you know he's he's got a big big future in football in front of him but you know his health is is everything he doesn't need to rush back um 
you know, he's going to be a good football player if he's allowed to play football again. You know, this is one of those things where football takes a back seat to, to his health, to life. So let's hope he can get back, though, because he is a big part of this team. And he's a really good kid. If you've seen him or heard of him in any interviews, he's a really, really well-spoken kid and uh, wants to do wants to be the best he can be. So I hope, uh, hope he does, you know, gets healthy soon and gets back on the field if he can. That's going to hurt Tennessee's offensive line, of course, where they're thin to begin with. And uh, but they're going to have to play better. I mean – in order for Tennessee to have any chance to win this game, they've got to throw the ball. I mean, they have the receivers, but you have to have time to throw it to those receivers downfield in order, you know, to to complete any passes. You have to keep your quarterback upright. So it's, you know, Tennessee's run game, they're not a very good run blocking team. So their run game is last in the league um, and one of the poorest in the country. So – it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough playing at South Carolina. Um, it's it's always a tough game. Um, you know, it's it's that's a hard place to play. Those fans get up for these games, and uh, and it can be a loud stadium. So I have a feeling though that Tennessee is gonna play well on offense. Um, let's see how their defense does. Um, you know. South Carolina's defense hasn't done that well this year either. Um, they've been kind of disappointing. Um, but they are second in the SEC on third down defense. They only allow 25% um, of third of teams to get their third down conversions, which is pretty good. Tennessee lived on third down conversions when they beat Auburn. So something's got to give. Um South Carolina's quarterback, Jake Bentley, has not been as good as advertised before the season. Everybody thought he was going to be one of the tops in the league. Um, he just – he's he's had some – just the minor injury bug hit him. And so, he just hasn't – he's been inconsistent. Uh, that being said, Will Muschamp, being their coach, has never lost to Tennessee as a head coach, whether it be for South Carolina or when he coached Florida. So, they have that going for him. Of course, he's never faced a Jeremy Pruitt team. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, the wide receiver that Tennessee's got to take, got to rein in is their Debo Samuel. He's very good. He's their best receiver. If they can keep him blanketed all the, all game and not give Bentley a chance to throw it to him, I mean he does have other receivers, but Samuel's the best of their on their team. If they can, and Tennessee's good at stopping the run, so if they can stop South Carolina's running game, they might have a chance. Um, again, this is a tough game. It's a big game for the East. Tennessee, if they, the rest of their schedule is winnable. Um, they still have to play Kentucky, who's ranked number 12 in the country right now. They're pretty good. But even that game's winnable. Um, you know, they could finish 8-5 and five or, I'm sorry, 7-5, and five, um, which is a pretty good year, especially for this team and the, everything that they've gone through over the offseason and everything else. I'm still going to pick South Carolina in this game. Um, I think South Carolina wins, but I think they win a lot by less than 10. Um, 
this has been one of those one of those series where each team, whoever wins, it's usually an ugly win. Um, I'm not going to go that far and say it's going to be an ugly win, but I think it's going to be sort of a low scoring game. One game, one team in the twenties, one team in the teens. But I am going to pick South Carolina over Tennessee on this one. <laughs> Okay, the next game I'm going to be talking about is another SEC game. It's probably the biggest game. Well, I know it's the biggest game of the weekend in in all of college football. Uh, It's between uh, two top ten ranked teams, and that is the Georgia Bulldogs versus the Florida Gators. Uh, This game is being played at 2.30 Central Time. Um, on CBS, it's going to be played in Jacksonville in the Jaguar Stadium. We used to be called the Gator Bowl. I think it's like TIAA Bank Stadium now. Um, but this is the all the annual world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I know that's not the PC thing to call it now, but I'm almost 50 years old, and that's what I grew up with it being called, so that's what I'm going to still call it. Um this is a big, big rivalry game. Um, the line on this game is Georgia by six and a half, with the over and under being 52. Um, that over under seems about right. I mean, Vegas knows their stuff. These are two really good defensive teams, though. So we'll see. Um, they've had some low scoring games in the past, and they've had some high scoring games in the past. So you never know with this game. Um, both teams are ranked, like I said. Georgia's ranked seventh with a 6-1 and one record, and Florida with the same 6-1 and one record is, is ranked ninth. Both teams are coming off a of bye week. Um, uh, that's every season. I think the way the schedule works out for both of them every year is both of them have bye weeks before this game, kind of like this week with LSU and Alabama. They both are on a bye week this year, uh, this week, so before their big game next weekend. For Georgia, Jake Fromm, their quarterback, really, really inconsistent. And he's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong. I just think that he's been a lot more inconsistent than people have wanted him to be. He hasn't, you know, he's not going to lose you too many games, but Georgia's not a passing team either. Georgia's bread and butter comes with their ground game. And I think in this game, though, Fromm's going to have to take him. He's going to have to at least, you know, make some some passes. Um, wide receiver Miko Hardman is going to be key in this game. Florida's got a very good front seven on their defense. Um, matter of fact, that's the best part of their team, with, led by their defense coordinator Todd Grantham. Um, they are one of the tops in the country and in the SEC for that matter. In, in in defense, their front seven, their their defensive backs. They're not bad, but they they can be gotten. The problem is Georgia doesn't have a uh, that. Miko Hardman's good, but he's not the uh, he's not AJ Green or any of their past wide receivers they've had that can take the top off. Um, he also returns punts. Hardman does, so that might be something to look at on offense. Florida, Felipe Franks, you know, you look at the guy and you don't really – again, I'm a Tennessee fan, so I'm, I'm kind of biased on this, but I just don't see a very good quarterback when I see Felipe Franks. 
Now, this year he has played better because of Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's a quarterback whisperer, and uh, he can get – he you know, he's a good quarterback coach. So, um, Franks has been playing better. Um, I think college is his – He's he's done after his college career. I don't think he'll make it in the pros, but uh, he's been doing good this year. I have to give him credit. Um, that credit goes to Dan Mullen as well. Very good offensive football coach. So they're, uh, <clears throat> you know, both teams are looking to win this game because the winner has the inside track uh, to win the SEC East. Kentucky's still hanging in there with only one loss, and they have the tiebreaker against Florida. Uh, Kentucky has a, a tough game against at Missouri Saturday. So we'll see about that one. If if they can beat Missouri and still have that one loss, they play Georgia next week. So if Georgia were to win, um, that knocks kind of that kind of knocks Florida out of it with two SEC losses. Um and then Georgia would have to, to win. You know, if they beat Kentucky, they're going to go to Atlanta. If uh, Kentucky were to upset Georgia, if they win against Missouri tomorrow and then they upset Georgia the next week, then Kentucky would be going to Atlanta for the first time, probably. I mean, there's still some games left in there, but they would be favored in all the rest of their games as well. But this one always has SEC East implications. This year it has college football playoff implications. If Georgia loses two at two losses, and you're done. I mean, I don't see them having enough to uh, – they have to, you know, you pretty much have to go to your championship game uh, and win your conference to get in the S- uh, playoffs in the SEC. Of course, Alabama, they're, they're on a higher plane than everyone else this year. Um. This game's hard to pick because it's such a big rivalry game. Um, it's been it's been tough. I've listened to a lot of people talk about this game over the past week, and uh, you know Georgia's got to get those running backs of theirs going. If they can get if they can do that, they can they should be able to win this game pretty easily. Um, Deion, it's DeAndre Swift and uh, Elijah Holyfield. I mean, those are two guys that can really run the ball. The bad thing is, is Georgia's offensive line has been kind of inconsistent. And they've had some injury in there, which made their offensive line younger than they wanted it to be. So, you know, we'll see. And if Georgia can run the ball, then that'll make Fromm's job easier. If Fromm struggles, though, uh, true freshman quarterback Justin Fields – he was the number one recruit coming out last year of high school. Uh, dual threat guy. He's played some this year, mostly in games that were already in hand. Um, you know that a lot of fans are calling for him to come on. They're they're wanting Kirby Smart to just uh, let him go, bring him in there for from, let him go, let him throw the ball because most of the time when he comes in, he's just a runner. And he's cl- completed a few passes, but uh, I think. This one is uh, – I think this time the fans are wanting him to come in and just and play for Fromm, just start – just come out and start in the game. But Fromm got Bulldogs to a uh, – champion to the championship game last year and had it won. <laughs> so, um, you know, you can't just – just because he throws an interception here or there, 
you can't take him out, you know, when he led you to a championship game last year. He won the SEC and then led you to the overall college football playoff championship game. So, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of torn on who to pick on this game. I think the the over-under is safe if you took under. Um, I'm going to say if I had to choose – um, I'm going to say my prediction is this. I'm going to say Georgia gets off the mat. I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to get the running game going, which opens up the game for Fromm. I think they're going to do, uh, I think they're going to do it this, this week. So I think, I think they win by 10 or more. So I'm, I'm going to pick the Bulldogs. And the last game I'm going to be doing this week, yes, I'm only doing three this week. There's not a lot of big games. Next week we'll probably have three or four again. Um, I like to try to do four games in each league, but uh, um, just wasn't a lot of big games this week. So I'm just going to do three. And the last one I'm going to do is a Big Ten matchup. Um, It has two ranked teams as well in the top 25. Um, that And that is the Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, this game comes on at 2.30 p.m. Uh, Central Time. It's on ESPN, and it's going to be played in Beaver Stadium down in, in uh, University Park, Pennsylvania, in Happy Valley. Now, the line on this game is Penn State by six, and the over-under is 51 and a half. Um, now, this is a pretty big Big Ten matchup. Um, for Penn State and for Iowa this week, for that matter, it's it's a pretty big game because Penn State, all they although they have two losses, um, they still have an inside shot to get to the Big Ten championship game on their on their side of the uh, the conference. Iowa still has something to play for as well. They did get beat by Wisconsin a few weeks ago, but since that since that loss, they have won three straight, and they're looking for their fourth fourth in a row against Penn State this week. Um, Penn State has a quarterback, Trace McSorley. Uh, he's their everyman. He does it all. He can run. He can throw. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of weak spots. But the problem is, is they use him way too much to run. He needs to spread the ball around. He needs to hand it off more. He does everything he he can to help the team win, and I understand that. But it's that's I mean. It all it does is takes defenses to key on him, and then they've you've beaten you do that, and you stop Trace McSorley, you've you've stopped Penn State. They have to spread their offense out in order for them to have a chance, because Iowa comes in with the third ranked defense in the country. I know it's hard playing in Penn State, and they're going to have the whiteout in the stadium and everything else, and that's an intimidating place to play. Um, but I think. You know, Iowa can come in with that defense, and it's a that's one of those those Big Ten games where you look for it to be overcast, cold. <laughs> you know, it's just you know both teams are got grass stains all over their uniforms, and you know, it's just kind of maybe damp outside and everything else, and the field gets torn up. I mean, that's just I think when I think of Big Ten football, I think that's what I think of every every time. Some snow, maybe in the later games in the year, <laughs> but uh, but I always think of that. Just I don't think of wide open offenses and, and things like that. And that's what this game is. This game's going to be a defensive game. 
if I was the, un, the over-under, like I said earlier, is 51-and-a-half, I would definitely take the under on this game, being that the defenses are pretty good. Penn State always plays good at home. Um, but, again, you know, Penn State's offense being one-dimensional with just McSorley, and they're kind of easy to stop. And I know James Franklin, Penn State's coach, has talked about that, saying, like, we've got to get the ball to our other playmakers on offense. You know, McSorley's great, a great quarterback, but he can't take it all on his own. And that's what they've been doing lately. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely wants them to stop doing that. Um, you know, Penn State's pretty good. Um, like I said, they're pretty good at home. And uh, But the problem with them, their defense this year has kind of been struggling. They're, they come into this game ranked 93rd in the nation on third down conversions. Um, so that's, you know, they're, they're letting the offense, they're letting the opposing offenses pick up third downs and they cannot get off the field. So that's tough. Um, Iowa, their D, like I said, their defense is ranked third in the country overall, and they came off of a shutout of Maryland last week. Um, you know, Penn State, again, sp- kind of sputtering on offense. So this is probably going to be a low-scoring game. Now, with all that being said, um, I, look at, I look at a lot of things on, this, on these games of where they're being played and everything else and, and just the history of the rivalry. Um, with all the stuff I was saying about uh, Iowa's defense and Penn State being one-dimensional and everything else, I think they turn it around. I think Penn State gets it done. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but I do think Penn State's going to win, and I think they win less by less than 10. And that's going to do it for the college games uh, this week. So we've got picked three games this week, and I'll recap those after I get through with the pro games. And uh, we'll move on to the NFL games in just a second. For this week's NFL games, I'm only going to choose two games this week. Again, uh, NFL... Just uh, not a lot of big games. Uh, there hasn't been uh, a lot of good matchups. Um, so I'm only going to pick two games. Uh, one is my the first one is my Oakland Raiders uh, versus the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this game is going to be played at 3:05 p.m. Uh, Central Time. It's going to be it, it takes place at the the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum um, in Oakland. Um, the line is Indianapolis by three with the over and under being 50 and a half. Um, I'm only picking this game cause it's my Raiders. <laughs> I mean, they're, uh, they're probably the worst team in the league right now. Um, which is hard for me to say since they were such a good team a couple of years ago and had Super Bowl aspirations a couple of years ago. And then last year just kind of blew up in their face. They go and get John Gruden, everybody's excited, and then he's basically having a fire sale. Uh, the Raiders coming off a bye week, um, which is great, but during that bye week, they traded another one of their star players. This time it was uh, wide receiver Amari Cooper, who was the fourth pick in the draft or the fifth pick, I can't remember, um, back in 2015. Um, but he was traded – for our first-round pick, surprisingly, to the Dallas Cowboys. 
<clears throat> so he is uh, gone from the team. Um, Marshawn Lynch uh, is still on the team as of right now, but uh, he's on the IR for a little while with a groin injury. So there's no telling when he's going to come back. Um, you know, everybody's on Derek Carr saying that he's probably going to be gone, that Gruden's kind of fallen out of uh, fallen out of favor or he's fallen out of favor with Gruden. Um, they're saying he's not tough. Um, I don't know if I believe that. I mean, he's been through a lot. You know, the Raiders' offensive line has struggled uh, both last year and this year. And uh, the year that, you know, everybody thought that they were going to be so good, they went to the playoffs. The very last game of the season, he broke his leg, and then the Raiders just – I mean, they had a backup quarterback starting in a playoff game, and it just didn't do good. Didn't go well for him, and uh, then the next year, everything just kind of blew up. The offensive line had a lot of injuries on it. They just couldn't run the ball like they did the year before. I mean, they finished that year, um, thir- or yeah, thirteen and three, um, won the AFC West, but just couldn't uh, couldn't do it with the backup. So, um, of course, last year's team finished seven and nine I believe or six and ten and uh that got Jack Del Rio fired and they brought in Gruden this year and things have gone from bad to worse with under Gruden and uh and Reggie McKenzie the GM which personally I believe McKenzie's going to be gone after this year um I've been a Raiders fan for a long time and I'm going to tell you right now they should if I had if if I had any advice, I would tell Mark Davis if he would listen to me. I know I'm just, just nobody, but uh, in my opinion, I think he should sell the team. I really do. I mean, I know it was it's a family business. His father was the owner and and ran the Raiders and did a lot of winning back in the 70s and 80s and, and some in the 90s, but, uh, you know, they're, they're just cash-strapped. They don't have the cash to pay everybody. They play in a terrible uh, stadium in Oakland, which is going to be taken care of in a couple of years when they move to Las Vegas. But uh, I would really like to see him stay in Oakland. If I had to choose, I'd rather choose. I'd choose for him to stay in Oakland. But it's the NFL. Things happen. You know, they can't get a stadium built. So, you know, they had to do what they had to do. But if in a perfect world, I think Mark Davis should sell the team. He could get a, you know, they're worth over a billion dollars. I mean, he'd be fine. They sell to someone who's got the money who can uh, keep them, you know, afloat. Because right now, I think they're trying to get rid of everybody because they don't have the money to pay everybody. Um, you know, it's just it's hard being a Raiders fan, seeing them struggle every every week and every year. And you think, you know, every offseason you think there's hope. Every You know, Gruden came in. Everybody thought, oh, he's going to turn us around. And uh, it just hasn't worked out. And then they get rid of Khalil Mack. And, you know, that it's just it's just an ongoing soap opera every year with the Raiders. They're not going to get rid of Gruden anytime soon. They signed him for 10 years, so and $100 million. So he's going to do, you know, what he thinks is right. And so they're going to have three first-round picks in next year's draft. 
Um, you know, maybe they can get some good players. Uh, maybe I don't know if they'll get a quarterback. What I would do is try to get some defense uh, to replace Mac, starting with maybe Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's get some weapons on offense, um, and then go for a quarterback the next year when Tua comes out from Alabama. <laughs> that'd be my. That'd be if he's still. You know, if, if he stays as good as he is now, then he'll be a high draft pick. And the Raiders, not being that good, should have – they'll have two first-round picks in 2020 uh, from the Khalil Mack trade and uh, from their own pick. And they've got three this year, from the one from the Khalil Mack trade, their own pick, and now the Amari Cooper trade. Um. So there's a lot of things they can do with those, and they should get you know they should be able to get some talent because they still have second rounders and third rounders and things. They should be able to get some players in the draft. So we'll see. But uh, again, it's been a struggle, long struggle for Raiders fans. But it, let's talk about this game. Oakland comes in one and five on the season. Indy comes in at two and five. Um, just, and they just came off a big win against Buffalo where they crushed them. Uh, I think it was thirty-seven to five last week. Uh, that they beat Buffalo. Um, and uh, so we'll see. Um, you know, the Raiders, again, are coming off their bye week uh, after a trip to London where they got killed by the Seahawks. Um, you know, I don't see much coming out of this game. I'm going to pick the uh, the Colts to win this game. Um, they're, the line is three. I would say they would cover that easily. Um and I would say they're probably going to score, uh, you know, I think they'll win by two touch, two touchdowns or more. That's going to be my prediction. So, there you have it. Indianapolis over Oakland. Uh, book it. The last game I'm going to talk about today and the, the, the second pro game that I've got is going to be a, a pretty good game, I believe. It's the L.A. Rams versus the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this one's going to be taking place at 325 Central Time. It is in Los Angeles at the at the Coliseum. The line is the Rams by nine with an over-under at 56 and a half. Um, kind of cool little stat here. The Green Bay's playing the Rams in L.A. for the first time since 1978. That's, a, uh, that's hard to believe. I know the Rams were in St. Louis for a while, but – it's kind of hard to believe that the Packers and the Rams hadn't played in the Coliseum for that long. But uh, the Rams are the last undefeated team in the NFL this season. Um, of course, they lead the NFL. They're the NFL's top offense, and Todd Gurley leads the league in rushing with 686 yards and 11 touchdowns already. Um, speaking of Green Bay going to uh, L.A. for the first time, to play the Rams anyway, uh, for the first time since 78. This is one of the oldest rivalries in the NFL. Um, both teams were part of the old NFL, and uh, they've played 93 times. And what's crazy is this, or this will be the 93rd time they play, the record is 45-45-2. So it's a tie going into their 93rd contest on Sunday. Um you know, the the Packers themselves are second in the league on offense with uh, Aaron Rodgers having that 
kind of that gimpy knee. Uh, he is going to be wearing a brace this week. He said he'll take the brace off as soon as he's 100% because he does not like playing in it. Um, but also, you got to think, LA's got the best pass rush, <laughs> the Rams do, with Aaron Donald and, and Dominican Sue. They've got some uh they got some some pretty good pass rushers there, so <laughs> you know, Rodgers might not get out of that might not get out of his knee brace this week. <clears throat> um you know, you can't ever count Aaron Rodgers out. Um he is one of those guys, I mean, he just came back off when uh, against uh, San Francisco last week where he drove the they got the ball back late. He drove him down the field. He scored a touchdown um, to tie it. And then they, he got the ball back with less than a minute to go, drove the ball down again for the winning field goal. I mean, that's that's his M.O. That's part of his game. He's a wily old veteran. Yeah, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer before it's all said and done. Um, he's a good good quarterback, one of the best in the league and has been ever since he's got his starting job from Brett Favre. But uh, the Rams are tough. I mean, they are tough. They got a great offense. Their defense is good. Um, I a lot of people are picking them to go to the Super Bowl. Still, a long ways to go in the season. I mean, they're they still have nine more games, so a lot can happen on the way to the playoffs and the Super Bowl. But right now, the Rams do like the, look, do look like the crop, the cream of the, the NFC crop, anyway. We'll see. Um, I think my prediction is the Rams and the uh, Chiefs. If I had to choose right now, that'd be the two. Of course, that's easy to say. They're about who's on top right now, but um, of each conference. But uh, it'll be fun. The Rams are always a fun team to watch. Todd Gurley out of Georgia, really good running back. Um, he had had some injury bug his first year or two in the season and in, in his career, but now he's come on strong and. Showing everybody what he can do and uh, leading the leading the league in rushing this year. So, can the Packers do it? Can they knock the Rams off uh, from the ranks of the undefeated? I would say yes, they can. It's the NFL. You never know what's going to happen in the NFL. But uh, my prediction is the Rams win big. I'm going to choose – I think the Rams are on a roll right now. I think they stay undefeated. I think they'll be 8-0 after this game. And uh, I think they'll beat the Packers pretty handily. So, that's my pick. So, to recap the picks this weekend, uh, there's just five games total, three in college and two in NFL. So, uh, my, my NCAA games, my college picks are South Carolina over Tennessee, Georgia over Florida, Penn State over Iowa. Uh, NFL picks are Indianapolis over Oakland and the L.A. Rams over Green Bay. So that's going to do it this weekend, folks. Uh, hope Thanks for listening. Um, be sure and listen to the High on Sports podcast each week. Um, we did not have one this past week because of some studio issues, some scheduling issues and conflicts, uh, but we will get back to it this week. Everything got cleared up. Um, but listen to us. Um, we, you can hear us on SoundCloud and iTunes, and, uh, and, or you can get on our website. 
Um, I'm going to put this podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes uh, Friday night. So, um, and I will tweet out that it can be listened to. So if you want to listen to it before the games Saturday, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, but subscribe to us on iTunes um, if you get a chance. Listen to a few of our episodes. We've gotten, I think, 29 episodes. And then I've, this is the third Contact Buzz episode. So, um, you know, give us a listen. Like I said, it's not anything serious. It's not You're not going to get any breaking news or anything like that from us. But we, we do like to talk about sports. We talk about more than just football. Uh, we talk about soccer and hockey and a little bit of baseball and golf, just whatever's big and whatever's, you know, we feel like talking about. It's just three guys that we've known each other for a long time. We like having fun. We like making fun of each other and everything else. So just a good old time, and we figured, we hell, what the heck, we can record it. So uh, let everybody else listen to how we kind of like just us talking around like if we're sitting at a bar with a beer talking about sports and about what it's like. But give us a – Give us a listen. I think you'll like it. We try to have fun, and we try to make it fun. And, uh, you know, subscribe to us. At least give us a chance and uh, and give us a uh, rating. We like it when people rate us. Um, we are, Our website is www.highonsports.org. You can listen to any of our – you can see what, our, what we look like and kind of just a little bio of each of us. And then uh, – you know, get on there and listen to my show here, the Contact Buzz, and uh, just look at all the different pages we have. There's, we keep it current for the most part of uh, top sports news. So just uh, just get on the website and give us a listen. And uh, that's going to do it for this week. So, like I said, give us give High on Sports a try. And uh, until next week, everybody, know your limits. <laughs>